London Property, home of Super Prime, where you can find informative, educational and entertaining content covering all aspects of property. To be an agent, you really need to have thick skin because uh, it is a role where you are kind of the punching bag for both sides. Uh, moving home is a very, very stressful time in most people's lives. Basically, you need, you, you need to be prepared to take the stress without taking it personally. It needs to be like water off a duck's back because the chances of you in every transaction being punched are pretty high. Um, agents, generally speaking, don't have the best reputation. Uh, and I think that, you know, you, you, you go into any meeting, it's, it almost feels like you're guilty until proven innocent. So most of us really like to work on recommendations because the story's already been told. And the person who's coming to you is coming to you because they've been told to come to you. And, and, uh, and you know, whoever, whoever's recommended them to you has recommended them to you because they actually value what you do. And personally, I really only like to deal with people who've been sent to us personally because after 30 years, your, your tolerance for um, being the punching bag kind of starts to deteriorate. You need the youth for for all that bounce back. So the reason I think that agents are uh, not regarded highly is first of all, because there is no barrier to entry. So there are a lot of people out there who uh, just have a telephone and call themselves agents. And uh, they're giving advice to people who are making the biggest investment of their life. And they're giving this advice based on, on very little substance sometimes. And that's the danger that uh, that we all uh, deal with is the perception generally of agents is that people don't feel that agents are being genuine or giving the right advice. So this is this is why I think that, you know, you're, you're guilty before innocent is a really good way of explaining it. And um, when you look at other markets, like if you look at America, these people who become brokers over there, they actually go through two years of training and they understand everything. And uh, they handle the transaction as a professional. So you don't go to your doctor or to your lawyer or to your accountant and uh, question what they know or uh, not trust what they say. So I think that if we went towards a market where agents had to be educated, then it would be a, a far better industry for everybody. And, uh, you know, all the best agents are the ones who actually self-regulate and they, they learn all the time. And they go to development uh, uh, seminars and they take courses and, um, and they self-regulate themselves. And you can see, you know, the ones who are actually dedicated to the job have been around for decades. I think that in no job you should be badly treated and in, in every job you should be respected. But... The frequency of not being well treated and not being respected when you're a property manager is high. So property management, uh, as, as a lawyer told me only a couple of weeks ago when we were having issues in, in, a, in a building with the property manager, he said, you know, it's a really thankless job. And basically your job as a property manager is to solve problems. So you're basically dealing with people 
at the height of their frustration and every time you answer the telephone is because somebody wants to complain about something that's not working. They feel that I'm paying lots of money to rent this property and I want this fixed now. So you have to really, you know, in the politest possible way, educate the tenants uh, into behaving in a tenant-like manner. And this is something that I find happens more and more and more uh, in the more expensive homes. Because when somebody's paying, you know, 10, 12,000 pounds a week, they expect to have a concierge service. So that management between what is a landlord's responsibility, which really boils down to mechanical, electrical, sanitation, you know, heat and water supply, does not really, uh, you know, it's not an emergency if your Wi-Fi is not connecting to your, you know, widescreen TV on a bank holiday Monday. But when someone's paying £12,000 a week, they don't care about those details. So there's a fine balance here between um, keeping that tenant happy so that they stay longer for your client in the property and politely educating them into how they should manage their expectations. So, yes, a lot of property managers feel that they're badly treated, but what I always try to say, and this is, this is something that's personality related, not everybody can do it, but I always just tell people to just ignore it. It's not, it's not personal to you. You know, um, my father always used to say to me, nine times out of 10, when you think someone's got a problem with you, it's because they have a problem. So if you think about it from those points of view, then, you know, it could actually be quite character building. You know, you can really learn um, a lot about yourself and about the way you treat people when you are in these stressful positions and these stressful jobs. It, it, the conversation could be a lot smoother if both sides understood the regulations around property management. So you've got two different types of management. Obviously, you've got building management and then you've got individual unit management where people are renting. So the building managers, I call the FYIs because every time you get an email from a building manager, it's sort of FYI and then it's up to you to read everything that's been going on in the, in the trail. And I guess the reason that that happens is because building managers are dealing with leaseholders who are the owners of the properties, so they're much more invested. So they expect that they're going to get into a lot more detail. But I also think that the, the building management, uh, um, the way that it works is flawed because, you know, these building managers, they charge something like 250 to £350 pounds per unit and they earn the majority of their income from the fees they charge for managing the works. So in my mind, even if the works are required, there's already you know, a feeling there that the leaseholders, the freeholders may perceive that the building managers are basically encouraging you to do works because that's how they earn the majority of their income. And this is actually a subject that I've been trying to speak to building managers about but nobody's willing to talk to me about it. And I just think that, you know, this, it is flawed. The charging system is flawed and it should be more aligned with the interests of the people who are paying the fee. So instead of paying 250, 350 pounds per unit for someone to manage your building, you know, it should really be uh, 
revisited, you know, either it's work, worked out on on the basis of how well they keep your building that they get rewarded and how little work, uh, you know, they, they, they don't allow deterioration and, and they keep on top of it. But it's definitely something that, you know, people who know more about this than I do should address and, and change. So that's the building managers. But um, in both the building managers and the individual unit management, you do get a lot of, uh, you know, people being frustrated because things are not working. So again, I think the more you know, the more you understand the law, the more you can have, you can tone these conversations down and bring heated discussions down. Uh, One thing that a lot of tenants don't realise is that the law expects them to behave in a tenant-like manner. And what that means is you treat the home like your own. And what would you do on a Sunday if, for example, your sink was leaking and it was dripping? Would that be a big emergency that you try and go find a plumber and pay out of hours calls for to come and fix the leak? Or would you put a bucket underneath and wait till Monday morning? So, you know, there's a lot of that that the law actually expects a tenant to do. Um, And a lot of the times, you know, due to lack of experience or due to just not knowing uh, the right solutions or how to guide the tenant to fix it on the phone, these things escalate and then they become costly. And if you actually look into the marketplace and try and find a company who does management really, really well, you'd struggle. I think to, to be a good uh, property manager, you need to be someone who's got a lot of experience uh, and is meticulous, has great follow-up, and has a a great black book of contacts. Because a lot of time what happens with management is you get let down by the third parties, but then the buck stops with you. So you will get all the uh, stress from where, you know, the plumber went and didn't have his equipment or went to order a part and didn't come back or, uh, you know, somebody was late because another emergency came up so they didn't turn up on time. So a lot of the times, so you, you know, Communication is key. So one of the things that um, they always tell you from the ombudsman schemes uh, that regulate the, the, the industry, they say, keep communicating. So even if you're saying to, to the tenant that um, he's in a traffic jam, you know, he's still in a traffic jam. The traffic jam hasn't stopped, but at least you're communicating. So the person doesn't feel like nobody's dealing with them. But... Uh, I think that as the services improve and the communication with the service providers improve using technology, then property management will become easier. Uh, The reporting. So, you know, when a tenant reports something, if you're able to help them over the line, if you're able to get on a video call, um, you know, and as I say, again, if you have really reliable contractors, then that that will make the process more efficient and hopefully we'll get to a point where you know there will actually be specialists doing the job and doing the job well rather than individual multi-landlords who who've, who've, who do it because it's, it's to their benefit to make sure that their properties are well managed so that their tenants stay because a happy tenant is a good tenant and that's that's really key you know if every time you get screamed at and every time someone blames you for something that's completely out of your your control 
uh, you get upset, then, you know, it's a very, very horrible job to be in. So if you are in that job and if you want to do that job, because actually, you know, the, the income from management is constant. So it's not like deals where you do a deal, you don't do a deal. Income from management is month on month on month. And actually the value of uh, a company is much more dependent, if a lettings company is much more dependent on the number of managed properties they have because there's, there's certainty in income. So if that is the, the direction that you want to go, I would say lots of communication, great contractors and, um, you know, keep talking to your tenants and keep explaining to them what's happening and what could go wrong. You know, I have told the plumber to come if his car doesn't break down and if he doesn't get stuck, stuck in, an act, in, 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 in the traffic jam and if another emergency doesn't come up, he should be with you at such a time. Just keep that conversation going. And I think the way that you can turn that to help yourself, uh, if it is a job that, in fact, you want to continue and, and, and you know, make it a career, is to take each problem as a challenge. How am I going to calm this person down? And how am I going to get them to see what really is the correct point of view and, you know, get them on side? So you turn it into, into a bit of a game for yourself so that you can cope. You know, going back again, communication is key. If you document everything you do, then when somebody is screaming and shouting at you because something's gone wrong, but you've documented everything you've done from the beginning to now, you can just bring their attention to something you've told them about. And nobody can argue if they've already been told, right? They can say, you never told me, but they can't say, you never wrote that to me. So a really good practice, and this is something, I mean, you know, we've all been through all the stresses. I mean, I, I, I've been doing this for 30 years and I remember being in tears in the beginning because of the things people used to say to me and the way I, but you have to keep changing your system. So when something goes wrong, you change your system, your personal system, and you adapt it so that the next thing, the next time the same kind of thing goes wrong, you're already prepared. So part of my training, which was, which was my father was used to tell me at the beginning of my career in the industry, every time I had a telephone call with somebody, he's like, put it in writing. I'm like, I just got off the phone with the guy. He's like, put it in writing. So it literally came to the point that, you know, I was literally writing to people saying, it was so lovely speaking to you a minute ago and I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do that. And you said this and I said that. And then it, became, it becomes a habit. And it's a habit that is really useful if you want to stop people from shouting at you, from getting cross with you, because you've done everything you're supposed to do and you can show it and you can refer back to it. So really, I suppose the best thing I can say is that if you are in this industry and you find it stressful and you do think that people should treat you with more respect and they don't, tidy it from your side. You know, help always comes from within, even in this. So you tidy it from your side. So make sure that every time something goes wrong, you put in a system for yourself that if this happens again, how could I have prevented it? And then make that as part of your process. And it does come with experience because when you first start in the business, you want to take everything that comes your way. You don't want to say no to people. But as you become more established and as you uh, have a bit more choice in the business that you take and you don't take, you just very simply say to people. I mean, what I usually say to people is, I can't help you anymore because 
you clearly don't think that I'm capable or I'm doing a good job. So I recommend that you take your business and you take it somewhere else. If you feel that everybody's giving the same service, please come back and we'll welcome you back with open arms. But go right ahead and try it somewhere else. And if you have any questions and you want to know what we think or how we can help you, we're always here, we'll answer your calls. And, you know, I think a lot of times in, in challenging situations, you know, you actually have to turn it on its head and react in a way that kind of makes people stop and think, what? That wasn't what I was expecting at all. And then they will reassess their own situation. Thanks for listening to the London Property Podcast. Head over to londonproperty.co.uk and subscribe to our newsletter to receive latest updates.